Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. I don't know about you guys, man, but this these weather changes we're getting in Austin, it not only messes with my allergies, but, man, my, my arthritis, Rod B, the, the, <laughs> the neck and the back and the hips, they, they creak a little bit more. Old man. Yeah, turn it old man. Those cold fronts blow That's in. That's all it is, yeah. man. Yeah, your old man. Your body changes with the weather. That's yeah. why old people talk about the weather a lot. Yeah. Because literally they have to keep you up with it. You can feel it. You feel it. Yeah, you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, man, it must be cold and rainy outside. You know you're feeling when you roll over in bed and <laughs> Sounds like you stepped on a package of bubble wrap. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. That's why Bucky's always talking about the weather every morning. I think Bucky has a like, five-minute conversation about the weather at some point. Well, it's cold outside, but we're going to keep it hot here on this edition of Longhorn Blitz, talking a lot of Longhorn football. The countdown to spring football is underway, and we've got a lot to get to. We're going to be defensive-centric on this week's show, so let's not waste any more time and get right into this week's proceedings as I officially bring in the rest of the team. He's the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. Yourself? Terrific. And Lifetime Longhorn 2000. 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. I have two black cards? I have yeah. my black card. Yes, you do. And then yeah. I have the DBU it's black like the card. American Express black card. I don't have no. I've ne- I have no chance probably ever in my life of getting that black card. We I've been around to... one of those, a few of those black cards. Well, like but I said, never had one. We need to get you. We need the DBU needs to have the, the the DBU black card. Yeah, I don't know if I can. Uh, that American Express. I think you got to pay everything back at once, right? That, that American I don't Express? even. Don't you got to like, like, like you, re- you you charge it and you got to repay it immediately. Like I don't know. If, like, I don't but know if I. Can as far as that. I know, Rod, that's like got... Fight Club, man. The first rule about Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> I ain't like, got First rule about owning a black card is you don't talk about the parameters of your black card. I've seen I think Chick Fil A has a black card. I think. Chick Fil A has like I think that means like you have you get free Chick Fil A like it literally is like a black card like, I, they, like once again they don't talk about it right. but I have heard you can get a black card free Chick Fil A any Chick Fil A in the world that also exists universe yeah in a universe it even works on Sundays Chick Fil A I mean good? even heaven uh, in heaven obviously there's all just free Chick Fil A everywhere so there you go I can certainly I can certainly get with that uh, <laughs> but no I actually uh, I actually had dinner at Chick Fil A the other night uh, after I got done Amen. listening to Chris Ash talk football the central texas football coaches association uh they've got their clinic series going on right now and they brought in chris ash to talk defense Mm -hmm. yeah and i won't get too deep into the minutia but listening to chris ash talk and then kind of hearing malcolm roach's comments on todd orlando which you know you can go read the interview he did with clarence hill in the fort worth star telegram and kind of get the uh he said he was was misquoted or miss it was i think it's phrasing it it sounded like the issue he had more so was with the headline than the actual content because yeah, he had yeah, like yeah. some good, like just X's and O's, talk some good constructive criticism. You could see being hey. a coach's kid, and yeah. also like yeah. he's. I mean, there are ways that you can say I wasn't, or this player, or this position group wasn't used to be as effective as they could be, and it can be taken multiple ways. Yeah, here's the bottom line: like I don't think anybody thought Malcolm Brooks was wrong. No, with anything he said. No, definitely uh, not. It, but no. Rod, the, the gist of it though, when he's talking about you know going to a four man front should help get more out of your most valuable assets, which in this case it's, it's Joseph Osai. It's guys that can disrupt the passer. It was our last two weeks of shows. Yeah, and but that got me thinking, that got me thinking about, you know, because I, I sat in the clinic and listened to Todd Orlando talk defense, and I, I like going to these clinics, number one, because it just kind of expands your football mind, too, and these guys talking have forgotten more football than I'll ever know, but yeah. I feel like it gives me an idea, okay, when you're watching it on the field, like, what are they trying to accomplish? It gives you just kind of a better frame of reference. Ultimately, 
football, the beauty of it is it is an exchange of ideas. I mean, you saw you start, you can, the tentacles and the branches can all be traced to one another about the ideas and the concepts and the philosophy because, yeah, these guys would be idiots if they didn't get together and share ideas and go, ooh, that's a good idea. Like, you know what, I'm going to steal that and use that with my my concept. And I say all that to say this. The more I think about football, specifically on defense, every defense, whether you're a three-man front, you're a four-man front, you're a quarters guy, you're a cover three guy, no matter what scheme you run, it's all designed to work. It just boils down, Rod, and we go, this goes back to the discussions we had at the end of the Manny Diaz era of defense attack. It really goes back to a couple of things, whether your scheme is going to be successful or not. Number one, do you have players? Number two, is your scheme to where you can put those players in the best position to succeed? And three, is your scheme teachable enough? Are you able to teach it to where those guys can take it to the field and where they're not thinking it almost becomes second nature? Uh, I would add one more to that. I think the scheme has to evolve. Um, I think in this era of football, especially we're talking about defense, I think in this era of football, teams can figure out figure out really quickly. And it's only because the support staffs have been expanded. So you literally have people in film rooms sitting there, you know, 12, 18 hours a day, just deciphering your codes, deciphering your concepts, deciphering your trends, what you like to do, certain situations, all that kind of stuff. So you have to evolve. You have to become someone who can break tendency at the right time, whether you're defense or offense. That's why, look at Tom Herman, right? Tom Herman's offense, when he takes over the play calling in 2018, offense is awesome because it's his version of his pro spread. The Big 12 hadn't seen it. Give the Big 12 a little time to catch up to it, and then he looks all of a sudden like an offensive imbecile? Not overnight, no, no. He did not evolve that offense, though. We all know that. He became almost too rigid, 11 personnel, uh, you know what I mean, and things that he had to run and the concepts they like to run, um, you know, the the, the route concepts, the route combinations, they were too predictable. Uh, Everybody knew what the hell was coming. Even Ed Orgeron admitted, oh man, they were tipping their plays. I knew when Sam Elliott was going to run that quarterback power. They knew that. TCU, same thing. That's because he did not evolve the offense. So I'm going to add, and Todd Orlando, hell, forget Todd Orlando. Vance Barefoot before him and Manny Diaz before him. The only one that's evolved that defense, arguably was Will Muschamp was the last defensive coordinator that evolved that defense real time, especially in the Big 12 with yeah. all these great offensive minds. So I would add, you have to evolve or you will wither and die. Because they'll even evolve in-game and be you and get not yeah, a, not even what do. you're talking about totally about agree. evolving to where like those many layers of yeah. adjusting and just the it, ability to be able to identify and then like Jeff was saying first schematically implement and get your team and we've seen that across college football for the last two decades get so much better that these kids can quickly be able to do so but when you raise that baseline then you're able to raise that in-game baseline if these kids are able to see and identify and evolve you're playing at a sophisticated level that really is just the constant evolution of football to where it gets in game and if you have that first script of 15 and you start to show a few ideas that you have out there if you aren't building off of that there forward with what the defense is giving you or how they're reacting to your offense a good coach that is doing those type of things can quickly be able to do it a lot more so than they did a decade or two ago. I just think it's it's becoming a game where you have to be uh, situationally oriented and game specific about how you approach things. I think football's becoming that Honestly, that's kind of detail oriented with mm-hmm. you know with the uh, you know with the uh, the ori- with the stats oriented the statistical era that we're in. I just think that's where we are. And the specialization, like I mean, you look mm-hmm. at these guys on the side, like just watching the Super Bowl is so perfect because you're Andy Reid and you're Shanahan, and you can see those type of guys that like they're so comfortable in those type of settings because they've only lived and breathed football. That when it comes to these situational things, like they have these mental rolodexes of options that can yeah. be used that can spin off of one another, but well, it's Andy just. Using in place from 1950s, you yes. know what I mean, in the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like that's how that's how deep and I think and thorough these mm-hmm. teams are getting. Exactly. So that's why I think self scouting is really important and being able to, all right, you know what, this is what we're good at, this is what we're bad at. Based on that, this is how teams are going to attack us. What can we do to mitigate the damage done by our weaknesses, but also increase and highlight our strengths? Yeah. So we tie all that together, Rod. Your my my three things I think went on defense. You're one. So really, we've got four pillars of what makes a success successful defense. Yeah. And when you look at this recent run of Texas defensive coordinators, they're when it goes bad, they're usually missing a couple of those. I think for Vance Bedford, I think it was they they lacked players, at least experienced players, and the scheme didn't evolve, as you said. Yeah. Because I think I just think that staff was still in a lot of ways reluctant to admit that the Big Twelve was a different league. Like you yeah. even like off the record you would talk to those coaches like, no, 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 no we'll figure it out. Like, no, no, you guys have to realize it's, mm-hmm. it's different. Like mm-hmm. what's going on offensively in this league is unlike anything else. Yeah. 
that's going on in any other league in the country. You can't use the knowledge you learned whenever X was X years ago because it doesn't relate to what you're facing now. I think for Manny Diaz, Rod, and Todd Orlando, I think they were both missing the two same things. I think they didn't put players in the right position within their scheme, which means they took some bad situations and then compounded those bad situations with their own decisions, and then the scheme didn't evolve. I would say that Manny Diaz was also, and I always said coaches are teachers. He wasn't a, I think now he may be a better teacher now, but I think back then the reason that he flourished with veteran players, and you you can say the same thing for maybe uh, Vance, Befford, and also with Tarlando, they flourished early on because they did have a lot of veteran players. Remember, they lose a ton of veteran players, all those Mm -hmm. guys after their first year, second year, ultimately it leads to them having a ton of youth and inexperience in their third year, and then they fall off cliff. Um, I don't think that's a coincidence, and I think that's because those guys, being able to relate that scheme to those younger players, they didn't really do that successfully. And also that that goes to actually I think that's connected to them not evolving the scheme. When you when you know you can't teach right. the current scheme that you have and philosophy to those players, they're not getting it. It's not being received. Okay, <laughs> Should wipe that's, it. that's exactly forget the whole <laughs> well, damn y'all scheme. Don't get it. What can, can you do? What can you do? You, you can go. play Boom. cover four. Okay, all right, you can play cover four. That's let's probably what Robinson that. did exactly. whenever let's he came work, into. Philly. Let's work with what you can do, and then we're gonna build a defense right. off of what my best that's players what the old can head do does. and what they do well. And yeah. you didn't do that because Joseph Osai should have been playing in the front seven and all that kind of yeah, stuff. And Matt, you mentioned him, and that's the guy Chris Ash to me is more in the mold of. He to me is more Greg Robinson in terms of look. And I, I, I got some. This, like I said, I'm not going to get too deep into the minutia of what he said. But one thing that that stuck oh. out when he's talking about kind of his found his defensive foundation, uh, and he's talking about fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And he said there's two types of coordinators: there are schemers and there are executors. Oh, I like that. He describes himself as an executor. You're going to be Sounds real simple, cooler. but you're going to get lined up right. You're going to be a really good tackling defense, and he wants his scheme to be where guys can just go play fast. He doesn't want it bogged down. And Rod, talking to people at different levels of football, especially at the highest level, you talk to NFL people, and they've said for years, like, look, if t- Texas is one of those programs that if they're doing it the right way in terms of recruiting and player development, you don't need to be that complex on defense. Maybe there's a couple of opponents a year when you're playing maybe in Oklahoma or mm-hmm. you know, if a TCU is really good or you got an LSU non-conference. That's the game where, may, okay, you need to break out, really go into the toolbox and break something out. Yeah. But for the vast majority of your 12-game regular season, if you're doing it the right way, you don't need to be that complex. Just let these guys go play. Let them go be ball players. That's what Chris Ash wants to do. So I think when you look at kind of the fundamental difference between Chris Ash and Todd Orlando, anytime I, I, this is just kind of buzzwords that I've learned mm, that sent up a red flag for me. Whenever we get to the offseason and uh, you're talking about a Texas defensive coordinator and you're describing their defense and their changes, and they're like, oh, it's like got guys dropping out of helicopters. It's like Star Wars. To me now, those are red flags. Cause I'm like, okay, <laughs> you're getting way, you're getting way <laughs> too complex. We're gonna get too. Just, too bring, just bring it back and just play good, simple football. And so I say all that to say this: when you tie all everything we talked about, you know what makes a good defense and what this defense needs. I think Chris Ash. I feel a lot better about this hire because I think that he's what this defense needs right now. You know, Rod, you've got players, and we've talked. We talked about linebacker last week, and we talked about it. We're going to keep talking about it just because it's the wild card. Like we don't. How's this move with Demarvion Overshone going to work out? Yep. What's Marcus Tillman going to be like coming off the injury? Same for Delia Dayaway. Juwan Mitchell was in the portal, then he's out of the portal. So what's the situation with him, right? David Bend is a guy that Todd Orlando was really high on. We know Tom Herman, Yancey McKnight, they really like him. So what is it like? We just don't know about inside linebacker. Right? This is true. But every other position on that defense, whether you're talking about safety or the number of guys you can put at nickel, your cool. corners, D-line, you know you've got numbers, you know you've got talent at some of those positions, and you know you've got impact players at some of those. Yeah. So, Rod, I, I think the folk, we can talk about schemes and four-man fronts and whatever coverage, what kind of coverage principles do you follow, but I think the best thing Chris Ash is going to do for this defense, he's just going to get guys in the best position. One guy in particular, Joseph Osai, get him on the edge to where he's playing forward Which and not backward and going into yeah. space. Just get them in a position where they can go play fast and just go make plays. So if you're going to be executor coach, then you got to be able to develop talent. If you're going to, if you're not going to win by being having a fancy scheme, which is we didn't win with, we had, you know, Carl Boris, he was just running man coverage majority of the time. I mean, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> and we played bump and run, hell, probably more than half the time. But we were really good at it. We had really good DBs. And, hell, we didn't really give a damn if you knew what we were doing. We were just that good at executing that specific uh, tackle. Oh, five defenses yeah. at base. Um, but if you look at it, you know, offensively, Greg Davis was kind of like that, right? Greg Davis is was an executor coach. You know, I, I described them as, you know, they're, they're system coaches and they're formula coaches, but his is executors and schemers. And what he's saying about kind of like Greg Davis, Greg Davis didn't really 
really have a you know a scheme that he was married to. He's like, all right, what's my raw materials? What am I presented with? Oh, I got VY. I got you know said B in the backfield. All right, you know what? We're gonna run zone read read option. They don't give a damn if they know it. We got a really good O line NFL O line, and we're gonna be great. Screw it. We don't have awesome wide receivers. Our receivers are okay, but our tight ends are really good. Our O line's really good. Our backfield's one of the best in the country, and our quarterback's really good. That'll be the focus of the offense. Changed when he got Cole McCoy. It's like, oh, our receivers actually are really damn good. Jordan Shipley, Corn Cosby. All right, West Coast hybrid of this offense. We're going to go high percentage passing game. And different when you had Chris Sims. It was a pro style, even though it probably should have been more of a spread offense. But, you know I mean? He, he, he changed. Yeah. He was a, he was an execute. Hey, just execute this and we'll be fine. So he understood about Texas, but you got to develop talent if you're going to be that type of that type of offense. and I'm sorry, that type of defense. And right now, Texas is not developing talent. We all know that might be the biggest issue here on the 48. Yeah. And I think when you look at the development, the the ability, if I can talk right today, to develop talent, you know, one of the things Chris Ash talked about why he likes a four-man front, and he said, what do you have in the state of Texas? And we talked about it. They've had them in the state of Texas. You've got the ability to recruit impact defensive linemen out of the state. And whether you're talking about Solomon Thomas or Miles Garrett, go to DeMarvin Leal, or recently Vernon Broughton, Alfred Collins, like you have highly recruited defensive linemen in the state. And Chris Ash basically said it's their jobs as a staff, him being the defensive coordinator, primarily his job to make sure you're recruiting those guys and you're getting the most out of them. Doing a good job And so if, you're do, if you're doing <laughs> that, then your four-man front should be pretty dang good in due time. Just I off the top that. of your head, do you remember, when was the last time Texas had two D linemen in the same class, like a Collins and a Brock? 2012, Malcolm Brown and Hassan Ridgeway. Yeah, mm-hmm. and other than that, though, yeah. that's But about, that's 2012. We're yeah. going into the 2020 season. Mm-hmm. Been, a, been a long time. Yeah, well, it's been a while. Yeah, that's about the only one you could think of, too. I mean, we talked about the 2016 class and just, you know, like we were talking about uh, you know, Charlie Strong before we started recording and the fact that, you know, how is Nick Saban going to get the most out of Charlie Strong in this analyst? I think we can all agree Charlie Strong as an evaluator of defensive prospects. Pretty dang good. Yes, he is. And when look no further than uh, that 2016 defensive line class, Malcolm Roach is a guy they coveted. Mm-hmm. Malcolm Roach has got a chance to be an NFL player. Invite Jordan Elliott was a guy that they valued. Jordan Elliott's going to be an NFL player. He just didn't do it at Texas. Pretty high. But, you know, but the, the further point, and Matt, this goes back to our bus rate conversation and everything mm-hmm. else. You look at that 2016 D-line class, those guys came to Texas to play for Brick Haley. Brick Haley's gone after one year, and you have just massive amounts of attrition. Mm. And you have a scheme change where some of those guys no longer fit. So, that's why when we're talking about recruiting rankings, you can't just look at a class ranking and say, well, I mean, they had the seventh best class in the country this year. Why aren't they good? Well, look deeper into it, and you'll see why the results aren't there. Because there's attrition, or there's coaching changes, there's scheme changes. There's all different kinds of things that go into that. But I think, Rod, really when it boils down to it with Chris Ash, is they're going to do a couple of things and just looking at his kind of defensive objectives and again I'm just going to share some of this I won't share all of it uh, basically their defensive objectives it sounds simple but this is what they want to do prevent points first and foremost like it's funny how when you hear a coach talk about oh we want to do this we want to do that. no keep people out of the damn end zone that should be your number one <laughs> objective all the time prevent points create takeaways stop the run affect the quarterback and again this is something like oh you mean sacks no he's talking about mm-hmm. you know pressures hits pressures yeah. you force a bad throw you know, whatever it's the same yeah. idea of like if you watch a basketball game, not every shot's blocked, but you can have a big guy alter a shot and the ball goes okay, 20 point. feet away from the basket and has no chance. It's a huge impact. It never comes down. I mean, just affecting passing lanes and being able to have your eyes on quarterbacks and be, if being so skilled like a guy like a guy, you could see Malcolm Roach doing it all the time, a type of guy that could understand what he's facing and be able to have depth in your assignment and be able to see who's behind you, if what's happening with the zone read, what's happening with the quarterback play, like all those type of things that the D-line or linebackers or any pass rusher can really do. I mean, passing lanes these days, these quarterbacks are so good at being able to squeeze them through different holes. And if you can be something that can neutralize that, it really does take away a huge threat. Perfect example is Chris Jones in the Super Bowl. Yep. Might have won the Super Bowl for Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if he had a tackle in the game. He had like oh, one yeah. tackle in the game. It's where you box scores, stats don't yeah, matter. He and we've heard, you know. passes and like he had a hit on them that mm-hmm. I think that was the interception. Like he was the one that got the pressure initially when Grappler through the pick. So, yeah, you can affect the passion in a lot of ways. And if you look at the statistical ability to have an impact in the place, why, if you were to look, there's a slight correlation. QB pressures is the best one if you want to find one that can actually predict turnips. Bringing it back home, Rod, even more so than Chris Jones, go back and look at Puna Ford's 2017 take. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah like, not a lot of stats. Not a lot on that stat sheet, but go watch the go, film. Go turn that film on. Yeah. And that's what, Disruption that's in what the Pete Carroll and company did. Thank God somebody yeah. did it. it. A lot of NFL scouts did not do it. They looked at that stat sheet and was like, nah, a lot of Big 12, the, the, the coach
coaches and the the media in the I think the uh, the post rather the postseason um, awards they did notice because I think after Puna Ford had dominated the line of scrimmage out in all those games they were like all right that guy's the real deal yeah so th- that's why he won defensive line of the year and in Charles the Charles Amena who did the same thing the following year like Charles Amena if, if you go back and watch the film like there are two games Charles Amena who made plays that won them the game probably when you Texas look at the body Tech. work Texas Tech and Baylor yeah and Baylor like go back is. go back and watch that last drive of the Baylor game when Baylor's got three shots in the end zone when Todd Orlando finally said all right just line him up with a wide shade just go go get after the quarterback and he rushed three throws from Charlie Brewer Texas wins the game now you right. and I saw yeah. that certain people I think somebody with pro football focus and another one uh, I can't remember the name but I'll get it for next week's show started to chart just yards after contact for running backs and how different it is if you're contacted in the backfield because oh, yeah. those yak yards yeah. matter so much more than your yak yards against been, a linebacker yeah. when you have your momentum Could've going been a negative forward. play. Yes, yeah. and then now you're adding 8, 10 yards. But because of that, they've also started to just chart the penetration of D linemen to where, see, how deep do they penetrate the line mm. in line, to where you there can the be metrics that you can look at. It's just when you're in the infancy of even thinking of these things to start charting, there's a lot to be done. But Puna Ford is one of those guys that you would always see. He'd be like, oh, well, if you see you're pushing that guy back into the quarterback, those are the type of disruptive. Your Casey Hampton plays. Like Casey yeah, Hampton exactly. probably led the nation in that. That's a good point. We always talk about, you know, that, that 2000 Oklahoma game, Rob, the one you say was maybe the most embarrassing of your college career. Oh, yeah. When Mac tells you guys nobody played well and Daryl Royal gets on the bus and says, hey, that's not true. You need to go watch film and go watch what 64 did all game. And whipped some, He whipped a whole bunch of people, a whole <laughs> bunch of Sooners that day. They remember Casey Hampton. They beat, they whipped us, but he whipped them. <laughs> Which is an amazing thing. <laughs> and that that's how you win Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. All right, it's time for our first break on this week's show, but there is plenty of Texas football talk on the other side, so do not go anywhere. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. So Chris Ash's five defensive objectives, and Rod, this next one is where I want to get you involved. So just to recap, prevent points, create turnovers, stop the run, affect the quarterback, and the fifth one, Mr. Babers, near and dear to your heart, challenge the wide receivers. I like that. Yeah, nobody does Nobody does that anymore. Just get up there for five yards and just turn. It's like turn and run. It's not bump and run anymore. It's can can we run. have like a, just a football, yeah. philosophical football conversation real quick? I don't want to get too deep into the weeds because we got to get it relating to tech. But Rod, what is, what is the the mindset the thought process especially in this league of giving guys free releases because to me it just doesn't make any sense yeah I don't understand it either I've I don't know I've tried to talk to coaches that I know about it and they really can't figure it out either because in practice I know they're teaching hand placement um you know shuffling keeping your your feet uh, and your center in front of the wide receiver looking at the hips because the hips are, hips don't lie all right uh, Shakira's hips might lie but the, 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 the hips don't lie they'll t- always tell you what receivers going and yet every time I look even at the NFL level it's very rare to see somebody try to actually get a jam and disrupt the wide receiver and man I remember when that was the the entire point of mm-hmm. getting you know a playing bump and run but now it's different so it's a different it's a different era of football though you got the spread era of football I don't know how that affects I mean I, I started in that era but now it's a little different so maybe these spread babies who grow up in you know seven on seven leagues all the time and all this other kind of stuff maybe they just have a different you know, technique that they're that they're trying to cultivate, but I, I'm with you. I think it's a, it's almost like tackling to me. It's a travesty. It's like man, so, somebody is teaching them the wrong foundation of that tactic, whether it be bumping or tackling, and they made it all the way to the highest level and still really don't know how to do it. Well, and if we're talking about modern passing games, how quick it is. I mean, we're talking about playing within those first three seconds when you get to the NFL level and getting rid of a football. So in theory, if you can disrupt that, that is something that could be as valuable or more valuable at stopping the modern pass game. Oh, no game. question. But it's also, you it must know. Be really, it's, it's harder to do, I guess, in a game where they're creating space more and more. Bunch formations, condensed formations, well, putting guys in motion. You know what I mean? There, there's, there are ways down they're creating space, yeah. and bump and run is basically, essentially, it's the same concept as trying an, op- trying an open field tackle. Well, and you it's know what I mean? It's a really about- good athlete there, and you're trying to somehow uh, cause uh, you know confrontation or cause physical contact within that two 
two to three yard space, it's a lot tougher than it may look against an elite. Well, athlete. and then the way that all these audibles at the line, in theory, if receivers are being taught to read the keys of the DB, that if he's in Option a bump and roll thing, you yeah. can easily do the opposite and be able to just get quickly yeah. open if everybody's reading that at the line of scrimmage. Yes, they read leverage, those option routes, which so is what the air exact, is kind of based that's on. That's just too. exactly yeah. where it makes it so tough to do that, unless you're a freak and one of the few guys in the NFL that can do it. But I think now knowing how much Chris Ash values the ability to challenge wide receivers, to me, Rod, it makes the nickel conversation with moving Anthony Cook there, getting him a look there, to me it makes it make more sense where now you want, you're putting more an emphasis on coverage on the back end, and we talked about that, but to me it tells me you're out, you're, you're two corners, you're guys that are going to be on island. They want that to be Jalen Green and Deshaun Jameson because mm-hmm. you've got two aggressive physical press corners, and it seems like that's really what they want out of that position going forward. I agree. Jalen Green does generally, genuinely try to get a generally and genuinely try to get a jam at the line of scrimmage. I, when I've watched him, and Deshaun Jameson, although he is slight, all right, in terms of frame, he is a lot more physical than you think for a guy his size. And I like his technique at the line of scrimmage. I think he's he's raw. I think he's um, he's so overly aggressive at times. He gets himself out of position, but his ball hawking ability uh, is so amazing that he's got great catch up speed because he's just a natural ball hawk. But all those guys, if Jay Valai is, you know, he's got the confidence of Chris Ash. If he is as good as, you know, at, uh, Chris Ash hopes that he is, then he'll teach those guys better technique and they'll become better press corners. And if you got a four man line and you got guys on the line that can get to the quarterback, trust me, man, that half a second you can get that wide receiver to delay, man, it could mean the the difference between a sack and a pressure and a throwaway and hell a first down or a touchdown. Like it really is. I mean, it, when you start looking at how everything's interconnected, uh, when we had Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers on our D line, I mean, honestly, it was. I remember you know figuring out later on like, oh, I only have to cover for like a, a second and a half or two seconds, <laughs> so I can be really aggressive at the line of scrimmage because if he if if he you know say the wide receiver beats me, he he better he better beat me in less than two seconds. He better beat me really quick. Cause if not, the middle of the line there's Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers. They're going to force that quarterback outside of his natural like pivot point. You know, I mean wherever he wants to be, like mm-hmm. his natural um, point in the pocket. Yeah, Casey Hampton uh, in college, his quickness was like a Aaron Donald yeah, in the you know NFL. I mean? What you see, yeah. like he, from so, the middle, he yeah. could get to that pressure. Exactly. So they're going to force him outside the pocket. They're going to force him to go to his second read. And honestly, I kind of built my bump and run technique that year off that principle. And I became more disciplined later on and started to use more catch technique to catch the receivers. But I remember that year thinking, no, 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 let's go after those damn dudes. Like, yeah. be aggressive and when then, you're playing bump and run. <laughs> you literally have Jammer, who has the best name for a bump and run guy you could ever exist exactly. on the other side. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like we, we <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We're like, no, no, let's just maul wide receivers, man. Yep, let's maul physical. the hell out of them. And it worked. Everett Withers, actually, was the DB coach. Oh, was, yeah, coming to who do agreed, offense. Who agreed with the philosophy. So, yeah. so, Rod, I just want to talk some of Chris Ash's coverage philosophy. Uh, when he's talking about coverages, and again, this is just like in a 45-minute, one-hour chalk talk, so this isn't like everything Texas is going to do. This is yeah. just kind of the, the meat and potatoes of it, if you will. Uh, they want to challenge every throw. Uh, they're going to run mixed man and zone. Uh, they want to get the safeties involved in the run game, which when you look at his kind of how press quarters works or quarters coverage works, your safeties more often than not are your read players. And it's really like quarters. That's why so many people like running quarters because it's really it really helps your safeties out. They're playing from depth, so it gives them an easy read, yeah. whether it's they're playing run, zones. playing pass. Yeah. Exactly. But Rod, the technique Chris Ash wants to lean on in terms of his corners is press and bail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now is this simultaneously same like same football play? Yeah. Press and then bail? Yes. Okay. Well, no, I get, I mean. Sounds like what Rod was saying. And you get up I, on I, him and I, then I you got to recoup. I remember uh, hearing Nick Saban say that he hates backpedaling and he thinks that it's a wasted technique in football. Like you don't need it anymore. Like it's antiquated. So uh, even when I was with Coach Aquino, we were doing shuffling. Uh, even when we did it as opposed to just an old school backpedal. And I think that the bail technique, is it's basically like giving you, it's opening up to the quarterback so you can read the quarterback, but also allowing you to shadow or allowing you to basically, you know, be really close to mug the wide receivers, if you will, and look through them to the quarterback. And Coach Aquino would always have these different terms, like, you know, feel the feel the wide receiver, feel him, feel him, man, see that quarterback, but feel him. Like, if you had your back to the quarter, uh, the wide receiver, looking back at the quarterback, I can't see the wide receiver, but I gotta be able to feel him. Well, that's why physically you feel him or physically feel him because if he gets, you know, out of my my periphery, I gotta be able to physically feel him or almost like the force, you know, Nathan Nasty 
Nate would have it where you're 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 close. You're almost drawn and magnetically to that wide receiver, and and you become the wide. It's, it's weird. I, I couldn't do that. I had to physically feel it's the like wide receiver. It's like the guys receiver. with the basketball. That's it's yeah, like a part like of them. Guys, like, that's they saying, just that's a, have that next level. That's a ball hawking thing. But yeah, I mean, there's there's even in zone coverage, you want to be able to look through the wide receiver to the quarterback, and so you always keep your number one read. And, and with Coach Aquino, and I'm sure they're going to do it too. You're looking through number one, which is the the, clo- the receiver close to the sideline, to number two. Your your read in a lot of the time in your zone coverages is the number two receiver, um, depending on if you're going to they allow you to jump the outside cut or jump the you know jump the out route or if they're going to allow you to drop back on the smash concept. They're running the seven and your guys running the the smash route. You know what I mean to help out your safety. A lot of times you're reading that stuff like that. You're going to be there to help out your safety. They want they don't want the safety to have to cover the seven route and the the post and the post corner and hips, the seven route. Like you can't yeah, turn it's almost once. like what happened at the, the Tyreek Hill play. What happened mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl? It's like yep. man, you know that, that one corner, second your hips yeah, are done, that, you're done. That corner was supposed to keep dropping back because the number one receiver went in. It was a six route. He should have been reading number two. Number two kept going. Number two was already running the nine route, the deep route, or the post route or the corner. And that corner should have been there to drop back underneath it. He wasn't. So Tyreek Hill gets the fifty whatever yard uh, reception. Because that one yards, second to recuperate and flip yeah. your hips. But my, my point is yeah. that's that's in zone coverage. He's going to be the most time that, that guy's going to bail so he can read through the number one receiver to number two so that he can break on that route as well. You know what I mean? In kind of the matchup zone. I don't know exactly that that's how they're doing it, but usually that's the, one of the reasons why you want him opening up his hips to look through to the quarterback. And that's right. why he would – it's basically all comes back to your footwork and the way that you teach it. Yeah. So you, then you can never put yourself in that position where you are like that DB against Tyreek Hill yeah. that now you had him, you were in position, but because what you're reading where your hips were sending you, you can't make that other turn to that secondary area the way that a guy like Tyreek Hill yeah. then runs you spins you around like a top. Now they're playing cover four in the Super Bowl, they were playing cover three, but still the same principle yeah. when you're playing that quarters coverage. That number two receiver is threatening that safety. He, he can manipulate up, If he ends like up one on one on that safety with uh, that open field like that, there's no way that safety is going to be able to cover him on those deep balls. So, And that's why when they're bailing, I bet they're going to shuffle first. I bet they're going to get three, four shuffles in to read the three step or the read the quick drop or the slam. The shuffle or, keeps you from you know flipping I mean? your hips. Yeah, so it keeps exactly. you in line. You don't want to flip, uh, flip your hips naturally yeah. to bail, and then you're already SOL. That, that receiver's got him right where you want him. You're shuffling, and you can still kind of read that three step, read that five step. Yeah, the idea of press bail technique is basically roll your corners up on the line of scrimmage, which rod again, you're almost giving the illusion that you're challenging the throw. And you are. No, and you then, are. You and are. then you're, 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 when you you're still bailing. Challenge. Your alignment, your alignment is yeah. challenging the, the three step and the slant because you're like, all right, he's going to go, but man, what if he reads it really quickly, like that quick out? So your alignment, well, that's why I think they'll shuffle coming out quick. They'll, they'll, now, if you get a Tyreek Hill, <laughs> or you get, you know what I mean? You get somebody out there, a Devin Duvernay, you want, might want to shuffle once His as feet opposed are to three times. While yours yeah, are you know shuffling. what I mean? So I think that's how, they'll, they'll, it'll vary, but that's why you want to do it. Yeah. And that, that's it, it'll naturally take away the quick game just because of the position of the DBs. And I don't know where he wants his nickel. Sometimes a nickel is there at a, you know, kind of a three, three yard, kind of three to five yard cushion to catch the wide receiver. Sometimes that's the technique. Man, that, I don't know what the technique is. Everybody's different for that slot. That yeah. slot is a so monster, hard man. because, like, it's yeah, just so tough. And going the multi direction ability, oh, and man. then to be able, but and think about having to, like, nowadays read the passing lane. Like, those DBs can't even see over well, some of these the tackle, a lot of times now. Then monster O linemen oh. right there, so you can't yeah. even see the quarterback. It's, 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 it's a man's game. Yeah. <laughs> it basically slide, puts the, sh- the nickel a into a game. shotgun yeah. position the way the quarterback's that's, in a that's shotgun. That's why I would train multiple guys for it. I wouldn't just depend on Anthony Cook. No, I'm training like three different guys for it because when the fit hits the shan and I go, okay, this guy can't handle it. We got we got Deshaun James. Get up in there. Let's move Cook back out to corner. Maybe that's a little bit better. Because even as a guy who played both, I'll tell you, it's an easier road playing <laughs> that corner outside man, with that sideline. Inside, that's a man's game. You're basically a linebacker and they want you, they want you to be a cornerback and a linebacker. That's beast. Well, I, I think the the nickel, you know, Todd Orlando really preferred kind of the big nickel, a more physical type safety. nickel, a yeah. safety a safety body type. I would like to see Chris Ash, to your point, Rod, I would like to see him be more kind of fluid with that position, train Great. multiple guys there because, let's face it, like just look at the schedule, right? Other than you've got two games in three weeks, you've got UTEP, a bye week, and then K-State. Those three weeks, you know UTEP, you know, K-State, you know Chris Kleiman's going to have multiple tight ends. They're going to try yep. to run the football, He's get that out. You know Dana Dimmel. Dana Dimmel still likes using fullbacks mm-hmm. and multiple tight ends. Other than those two games, right? And we'll 
see kind of, I mean, I think Dave Randall's going to be spread. You know, Kansas is more spread now. You know, other than Iowa State, who they'll get in everything from 10 to, you know, 13 personnel. I love Iowa State. They'll go go 23 personnel. They'll just multiple as it gets. (laughs) So, really, other than those three games, other than UTEP, K State, and Iowa State, you're probably not going to need, and I'll say even really, other than those two games, other than UTEP and K State, those are two games where you'll need to have three true linebackers. You'll need to have a Sam linebacker on the field. Yeah, potentially. Mm-hmm. But the other 10 games, Rod, you can get away with having, like against Iowa State, B.J. Foster should be your ideal nickel for the Iowa State game. Because you know what? If they do come out in 13 personnel, yeah. okay, well, I trust B.J. Foster to be physical enough to handle the tight end. I totally agree. I don't need to sub a sandbacker. Just like we talk about with offense, how you're going to use Jordan Whittington and Jake Smith and give yourself multiplicity. Okay, you want to go tempo? You want to tempo me? Great. If I've got a nickel package with B.J. Foster on the field, line up in 22 personnel. Yeah. Then go line up in 10. It's fine. We've got it covered. Yeah, I totally agree. That's why and that's why the overshone experiment is, is it could be vital to right. the defense. Depending on because you don't know how it's gonna go. We don't know how quickly he's going to acclimate to it. Um, you know, I said ideally you want him to become your Isaiah Simmons at one point. You know what I mean? That he can play any position arguably on defense. But right now you wanna be you want him to master something. They're gonna try to ma- master that wheel linebacker. But if he can come along quicker and you know, sooner rather than later, I mean, that changes everything about you know, your nickel that your nickel dime sub packages well, so and all that. you can confuse a team like Iowa exactly. State because Iowa that State guy, will be sitting there thinking he's playing a position exactly. that he's played he's all like, season is he, is and they're like no and now he's going to be able to cover what? those tight ends Dude. or be able yeah so that I think you know you got to watch that when you're talking about you know who's going to play the nickel because that because that changes the way I match up if he is moving if he's moving quickly moving along quickly I want to expedite his development because there's already I no will, film on him <laughs> and then yeah. when there's film on him if I, yeah. you have other things you haven't shown because you know oh, he man. has that skill set that yeah. you then can show it in conference he, he, play. Joseph Masai and him, you got to be really excited about what their ceiling could be because we know Joseph Masai, obviously, best player on the defense, but as I said, more and more I fall in love with a guy like Isaiah Simmons. DeMario Ocean, he's not going to be Isaiah Simmons, but at, Brent Venables built that defense around Isaiah Simmons' mm-hmm. unique, you know, specific skill set. And a lot of people would have wasted him as a tweener, and yet you had Venables was like, no, 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 man, this dude, this dude is next level. He can make us, he basically can make us a, a able to match up with any offensive personnel package or formation. I just got to make him the chess piece that he I move around. He plays with every group. Yeah, he's a D-lineman, I mean? he's and a then, DB, and, yeah, and a linebacker. And I, I can actually use him to the point where I can start making the offense adjust to me because Be they don't know exactly if he's a D-in, a linebacker, a safety, yep. or whatever, and that's the ultimate ultimate chess game that you're getting into. So that's what I want to be. That's what I want for Overshawn. That's when, what I would like him to be. When you look at Chris Ash's personnel at Ohio State, and there's a lot of Ohio State film on that, that those cut-ups he showed when he was talking about mm-hmm. tackling and what makes a good tackle. There's a lot of Darren Lee cut-ups on that film. And Darren Lee yeah. at Ohio State yeah. was a guy 6'1", 232. Undersized linebacker. Could yeah. really run. Now the difference is with Overshawn, he's 6'4", and he's long. But it's the same It's the same concept. Multiplicity in the skill set. The hybrids. Yeah. yeah. That's why he's closer to the Simmons. Yep, agreed. No, I'm with you. I, I, I've, I, I've been thinking about what he could be, and I just keep looking at Isaiah Simmons, and it's just, you know, it's hard not to get excited about Overshone's ceiling because I think mm-hmm. that him and Isaiah Simmons, that might be the perfect comp. And then right if now, you're talking about valuable pieces, the way he could, Overshone could be one, and then even the way we have, you know, with Foster at the nickel. But if you go up to the D-line and you brought up Osai, and if he's now strictly going to be focusing on being just a D-lineman that's getting to the pass rush, but in the modern game, you have so much that's played and manipulated in the backfield between the quarterback and a running back. And if you oh, yeah. just have a guy that is a straight athlete that knows football and knows angles and knows how to get to the ball, that's what he's doing as a pass rusher. It also can be really valuable in those situations where you're trying to manipulate the nearest man in one play and be able to go and deal with these different RPOs and zone reads and things that are normally yeah. going to be able to beat one man. But if you have one guy that can react in space and beat his person, he can overrule the numbers game whenever they're manipulating you with oh, yeah. two in the football and one guy. Well, and that's something that is one of the reasons that we say that like he was devalued by how he was being taken away from that area last season. Tos Vasai? Yes. Yeah, of course. Totally agree. I think that most the three most what could be the three most important pieces on defense. Because I think uh, I think on offense, and we'll get into that, I think offense has its two that guys that will make your defense multiple, as Matt mentioned, right? That that will give you the ability to win the chess match because the offense can't really decipher
decipher what their responsibilities and roles are on any given play and offenses are built on, that's the mic. That's the wheel. Mm-hmm. This guy plays this role. Okay, so now I know who to block and now I know who, whatever. Everything's what based is. off of that. And if you can fool the quarterback and fool the offense by being able to move guys around mm-hmm. because of multiple skill sets, then you win. And that's why Honey Badger is, is great at what he does with Derwin James and uh, Minka Fitzpatrick in the NFL. You hear about all these guys who have that 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 hybrid skill set. If you're Texas, B.J. Foster, DeMarvion Overshone, and Joseph Asai are your three yeah. hybrid guys. Mm-hmm. They are, and, and, and depending on how you use those three and how you develop those three, you really can make this defense and for the next few years, because Chris, Chris Ash, we're talking about you know him being the defensive coordinator for the next couple of years, um, and you could be talking about taking this defense to a Brent Venables type of level, because that's what Venables has been able to do really well. Uh, you talked about Chris Ash, he's got a history of, of something doing some things like that too, and I think that to me is going to be key. Those guys, because that's the future of football to me. Yeah, they sort of the, hybrid, the hybridism is the future of football. There's no question. Yeah. Do you have something, Matt? No, no. I was just going to say they can unlock the rest of the roster. Yes, I totally agree. Yes, no, they'll make Joseph Asai being on that front four makes everybody on that front four on that defensive line better. Yes. everybody's better because then they got to double him. That means other guys are getting single blocking. Just those, yeah, so those little moves like. You know, so the yeah. same thing. I mean, the Overshone move. I'm fascinated to see how that works. Just because I want to know what he can handle. If he can handle a lot, then as you said, Rod, that thing could take off. Now you're asking Delia Dayway or Jawan Mitchell, whoever your Mike linebacker is, you're asking them to do a hell of a lot less than they were being asked to do last year. That's a good point. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. And those guys, I mean, you got some experience now. Those, those linebackers, I know last year they were a little erratic, but now there's more experience in the linebacking core. And the truth is, I know they're weak at linebacker, but you're asking the least out of your yeah. out of that position. If you're going to have area be weak, that's fine. Yeah, out of Give all me the a pass groups, rush and guys that can cover. Yeah, this year you're asking least out of them. You're asking more out of your D-line, more <laughs> out of your defensive backfield. You're asking them to do the least amount. And I don't, Chris Ash's defense, I got to go look at kind of the, uh, the infrastructure of it and the linebackers' responsibilities and all that. But if he's smart, he, he, he tailors his defense a little bit to put more responsibility on the defensive line well, he, yeah. on the secondary and less on that linebacker. Even right now, before you know who's going to be the starting linebacker, I would already make that adjustment. When he talked in the press conference about just from a personnel standpoint how he wants to build this defense, yeah. he talked about first and foremost, you got to have a playoff caliber defensive line. That's where it starts. And in this league, you and the way football's going, you've got to have guys to cover on the back end. Yep. And he almost made linebackers sound like, yeah, we'll, we'll worry about that later. Yeah. Basically, if you got guys that can go sideline to sideline, if you're doing it right on the front end and on the back end, you can yeah. you can manufacture some things online. Yeah. That, that's a that's a game plan specific thing that may hurt you against a, a Matt Campbell and a Lincoln Riley and you know mm. I mean these really good Hello. offensive minds. But you're right, just so you can have the basic infrastructure, the blueprint of defense, D line, secondary. I told you that fits right now with what Texas is bringing to the Which table. Again, is why the more I yeah. dig into Chris Ash, the more I like the fit. Yeah, it yeah. fits. And then if you're talking about that, we've already had that position be one that's devalued that it's not needed as much at linebacker then also think about I think, I, I think it's needed I just I, I think it I think it's I think they're harder to find yes and I, I think because of that I you know I think it's easier to find good D linemen and secondary guys so I'm not saying it's not no, important. and I agree I guess I'm I saying said if, if I could find them it would be important but because it's it's hard to find those guys I would devalue it within the construct of the defense so if you're if a part of your defense is more deficient than the other linebackers yes. are the type of one that not only on your own personnel but when you're then looking at okay well how are they do we want the opposing team to attack us well this league where it's so explosive and throwing the ball all over the league in big plays is what beats you if you're saying well now we may entice the opposing team to want to take advantage of that and say run the ball which is going to go and lower their ceiling as an offense and yeah. it's going to play into what sort of you want to do well what do you want to do against these explosive offenses well make them do it a lot and not have any explosives to beat you well they're sort of playing into you and it almost deduces your offense into something that you want them to do. The way that we saw Gundy continue to run against Texas because he had the advantage, yeah. not knowing that they're almost falling into the trap, that you're telling them, okay, well, if we have a maybe a deficient area that you then want to exploit, but overall it takes away from the ceiling of your offense, that's the type of thing that can be really good. You see it like in the NBA whenever it's like, well, LeBron James is going to beat you. LeBron James can go and pick apart our entire offense, but if we deduce him to being just a jump shooter, well, now it just comes down mm-hmm. to how good of a jump shooter and the variability. It's a lot different and yeah. a lot easier to defend. And if you make these potent passing offenses want to just run into your D-line and into your athletes, that's also a way that you can engineer. Not only are you focusing on the most valuable areas, pass rush and 
on defensive backs or covering and all that, it also maybe enticed them to do the least optimal version of offense. Rod, I got on you last week about your organizational skills, and I'm just realizing like I've got like three legal pads going, and I've got stuff scattered all over. Rubbing off hey, on at you. least it's all there together. You know so, what I mean? I was trying to I was trying you know to find the number is. to be exact when we're talking about linebacker and the fact that, like you said, it's not it's not that it's devalued. It's just you have to look at it differently. Yeah. And I went back and looked, and I think I talked about this last week. I don't remember, so if I'm repeating myself, everybody listening, oh, this is I good. apologize. But I went back and looked last year at the first and second team all Big 12 linebackers, like the guys that were first or second team either by the coaches or the AP. Mm-hmm. And I went back and looked at, okay, when they were recruits, where did they rank nationally in the 24-7 sports composites, the industry average? And I found that the average composite ranking for those, I think it was six or seven guys, was like number 1,069 overall. That's mm. crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's unbelievable. So it's always, see, this thing about, I don't know if they're being mis-evaluated. Yeah. Because you know they're they're bringing in big-time linebackers, at least at Oklahoma and Texas, um, if they're being mis-evaluated. Or if, like you said, the game has changed so much and so drastically where the ethos has to change. And it's like, well, no, yep. it's a guy that, that Gary Patterson brought in that was a running back that was a really good athlete that he turned into a linebacker or a, a safety a that Juco was an oversized safety like, or a Juco yeah, transfer. Like because Gary, he was Malcolm Rodriguez at Oklahoma, Malcolm Rodriguez at Oklahoma State was ranked as a dual-threat quarterback. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, if it's just projects, That was a right. safety, and then he spun down. And you think about guys. like tight end was. You remember yeah. tight end always was up by yeah. project, a guy that was a really good athlete, and we're just going to put him I put him at tight end. I think linebacker may be no, coming out in Big 12 play. Briefly last week, whenever we talked about how, well, then let's just go and focus on those tweener safeties or like your tweener undersized D in the type of guys yeah. with the value that they have the ceiling to be what you want and what is one of the highly valued pieces, but this tweener doesn't work out. That might be a little bit too big at safety or a little it's bit crazy. too thin and lanky at the end. Those are the tweeners that yeah. then OJ become... McClintock these days would be my linebacker because <laughs> yeah. he was just a freak. And I was just like, if I just they put too much weight on him and he got too big, it's like if they just kept him slim, yeah, man, he'd been he'd been probably been around. Isaiah Simmons. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> that dude like he, he ran for 570 <laughs> yards. He set he the all time AISD record yeah, against Bowie when I was he, in eighth. He's grade. that guy you were talking about. Nobody yeah. knew what to do with him and stuff like that. Like, was, you know. All right, it's time to wrap this thing up and put it in the oven. We will do that on the other side as we close out another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. (coughs) Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist. The only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CBS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Deep's coming. You know what to do. Hey, I'm going to just rip this Band-Aid off. We need to break up. You're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you, and I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool? Not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping. Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could. Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today by texting OFFER to 84888. Get in on major bundle savings with Purple's President's Day Sale. Save up to $350 on a mattress and sleep bundle. Bundle up and save big when you text OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Message and data rates may apply.
If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. <coughs> Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. <coughs> Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Beep's coming. You know what to do. Hey, I'm gonna just rip this bandaid off. We need to break up. You're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you. And I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool? Not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping. Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could. Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today by texting OFFER to 84888. Get in on major bundle savings with Purple's President's Day Sale. Save up to $350 on a mattress and sleep bundle. Bundle up and save big when you text OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049-1019 AM 1260 streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com where you can get Rod B on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Thanks to Matt, you can get our archives, classic interviews, classic shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. And you can get this podcast anywhere you get your podcast by searching Horns 24-7 podcast. That's Longhorn Blitz, State of Recruiting, and the flagship Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Anywhere you get your podcast, just search Horns 24-7 Podcast. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.